This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where we tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic was social media. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafiori. And I'm Adam Lustig. And this is episode 49. We are inching up to the big 5-0, Bill. On the cusp of something <laughs> kind of big. Kind of important yes. and necessary to celebrate. When we started, did you think we would do 50 consecutive episodes? 50 consecutive? I haven't I mean, missed a week. We haven't missed a week. And we've, and we've added a couple and of And we've bonus. added a couple. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to like finish that. We started this the first week of February, I think. Okay. Like literally, I think our first episode was like February 4 or 6 or something. Okay. Um, so yes, we are. We have really been churning this out quite steadily. And that's really great. That's a quality of ours. When we start something, we can't stop it. And don't know how to stop. They it. call us slaves to inertia. <laughs> we, if we start, we then we're going. Sure, we're going. Sometimes to our own detriment. We <laughs> like we know we should stop at something, but we're so loyal, or we, we say yes so frequently that yes. we just become stuck in this responsibility. Humans just just we are just mammals. We just like habit. It's like we just respond to our habits. And right. if something that we habitually are doing feels good, no reason to stop it. Keep it up. If it feels good, do it. I mean, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. <laughs> it, it doesn't just feel good. This also requires work to get these things up and done today is the day before thanksgiving we are here in the in the luxurious headgum studios all by ourselves because yes. the rest of america is on holiday mom and dad are out of town <laughs> yes, exactly. amir is in san francisco jake is in connecticut and we stole their office those are our mom and that's our dad yes. and they are both scattered about the country and we're here all alone setting up mics you're figuring out the zoom billy and you say it's hard work it's hard. you do the major the lion's share of the work i should just say in okay. terms of actually engineering and architecting this podcast sure you edit it you sort of fuss with it. We all have our responsibilities. We all do our things. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Just be yourself. Part Just... of myself is understanding this technology. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they gave us the keys to the they office. They gave us the keys to the castle. That's a sign of respect. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. So that's what you get when you reach that 50 episode mark, when you reach that plat, when you become a platinum headgum member. Yes. Then you can get the keys to the office and turn on the microphones yourself. <laughs> I'm not, I don't uh, agree with that necessarily. <laughs> I am not Jake and Amir. I yeah, do yeah. not say who can come in or out. It's unofficial. I'm just saying that it worked out for us. <laughs> exactly. Um, and not only, Adam, are we recording a podcast today we are keeping this video ball up in the air yeah so we're gonna be we're gonna start making some videos and we put one out this past week and thank you for all who have watched and commented and supported us in doing that and we're gonna start cranking out some videos here right yeah simple as that that will be a nice little sort of complimentary additive content to the podcast that will uh hopefully you can enjoy both that we're not just voices in your ears but we're also human bodies for your eyes to enjoy yes yeah i mean we're two supermodels who have a podcast (laughs) and so what we're we're really wasting half of the goods since we're so beautiful so we have to put it back on video form yes now billy i think i have you joke about being a supermodel and i know that i think on this podcast i have referenced the one time that i was a male stripper as part of my singing telegram career i believe that's come up a few times uh, maybe a handful of times but you have probably given your physique you probably have actually done some model have okay do you want to i maybe? have the embarrassing smile <laughs> creeping on their face right now yeah, have I never. (laughs) You have been uh, essentially a piece of meat. Yes, objectified. (laughs) Just look. Just look. He won't talk. Just look. (laughs) Been there. Exactly. Usually, I shouldn't even say usually. I've never actively (laughs) went out for a modeling job. 
However, right. when you are a comedian, yes. when you're kind of in the public eye, yes. people can say, hey, I like, your, I like the way you look. <laughs> I, like your, I like your body. I, I like your body <laughs> and your face. And I want to use that to sell my products. Not now. your brain necessarily. In fact, explicitly not your explicitly brain. Explicitly not. <laughs> and I'm a guy who would rather be inside out and just be brain first. Yes. But you got this body to deal with. So I could pick a couple times where I was a model. Uh, I think the best story uh, probably comes from New York Fashion Week. Okay, great. <laughs> a place where Billy doesn't belong. <laughs> <laughs> That's where actual capital M models only go. That's where the real models real aren't ones. human. No, like no. when you see them, you're like, oh, you look different. What? Like you don't have parents because no two people could possibly <laughs> look like that. It's like yeah. plastic, like really like specific like westworld style you've been engineered in a in, a, in an attractive lab and at fashion week when you're about to do the isaac mizrahi <laughs> fashion show they wanted me to do the catwalk bill i just came from rugby practice how did that happen i completely remember this yes. how exactly what was the origin of the mizrahi thing without names yes there was a casting director yes who no doubt had a crush on me yes and he would find ways of getting me jobs however he could see fit. Baby. Isaac Mizrahi yes. needed some athletic builds yes. in his catwalk. Just some meat, just some human flesh meat. Correct. Yeah. I, it turns out, had the right flesh. <laughs> and my friend texted me, and this is when you're a broke comedian. And it's you like, do whatever. Listen, oh, I'll dress like a giant toothbrush if well, you'll give me 200 bucks. I, I mean, 200? If you give me 50 bucks, I'll be a toothbrush. Exactly. Yeah. So he said, hey, Isaac Mizrahi wants you to walk in his catch. And in my, in my mind, it's like you go to like school or like at least you do like other smaller catwalks. To like lead up to the New York, the Fashion Week with the Isaac Mizrahi. Where the fancies are in the building. <laughs> yes. You know, and staring at you. Yes. I have no idea how to walk correctly, oh, how to wear clothes correctly. Yes. And as the end of the story will show, I don't know how to model correctly. Okay, okay. So – Let's just fast forward. I met Isaac Mizrahi a couple days before. He Crazy. fitted me for all of these clothes. Which, he okay, well, okay. I know that you want to rush through that, but that, again, that, like you directing Sam Elliott in a voiceover booth, right. that being dressed and fitted by Isaac Mizrahi. Him, him, not his, like, handlers. Him, me, and a small Asian-American, maybe just, uh, I don't know, Chinese woman who was a seamstress, went into this small room, and they just, like, got to work picking me apart. I mean, Billy, that is an experience that people who are into fashion would, would like, give an arm and a leg for, to, like, be in a small small room with Isaac Mizrahi talking clothes. Could care less. Could care less. Billy could care less. Billy could give a shit. But well, the one thing I did care about Isaac Mizrahi was after soccer games when I played as a kid, I would take my cleats off. My feet were so sore. Yeah. I would put on those Adidas sandals that yeah, have the little pegs that kind of like massage the bottoms of your feet. I have them to this day. Everyone does. Obviously. If you were ever 13, mm -hmm. you have them. Definitely. Isaac Mizrahi was 13 and he was rocking those Adidas sandals. He was? Sandals. And I was like, you rock the Adidas flip-flops? Yeah. You, you so play while, travel soccer, Isaac Mizrahi? He dresses me up. He tells me what I have to do. He tells me all my jobs. I'm wearing a couple like light colored outfits, and I again don't care. Just give me the money. And what and what is he telling you? It's like there's going to be supermodels sort of modeling the clothes, and then you will also sometimes walk down the catwalk too. Sometimes yes. So I will walk with the men. I'm just like another male model now. There's nothing special or not special about me. Like I will be behind like Pietro. You're Pietro a comedian. I don't belong. <laughs> You and I often joke when we look around and we're like, where do, where we, do belong? we belong? I can tell you world. it's not in the Isaac Mizrahi fashion show. Mizrahi. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I get my clothes on. People are stressed. I'm kind of like chopping it up with like the union guys in the back who are like setting up the curtains, <laughs> curtains and drapes. That's kind of my people. <laughs> the pipe and drape guys. Strangely enough, in their craft services where they offer food mm -hmm. backstage, um, there is uh, a, a big spread of food. Okay. But like grapes and stuff, nothing that will stain. Great. 
And in the drink section, in the drink jug, yes. muscle milk. Muscle milk? Now you're talking to Bill. I, you wonder why. I wonder why, too. I don't know. But I ripped one out of the bucket, spun the cap, and spilled chocolate muscle oh, milk Billy. all over Isaac Mizrahi's fashion clothing. Wait a minute. There's more. Oh, Bill. You, you just – you were like, finally, some protein – I'm going to go and I'm going to get it. You aggressively spinned off the cap. If I see muscle milk, I take muscle milk. Obviously. I aggressively sp- spinned it and I aggressively spilled it all over s- my shirt and pant. Oh, my first outfit. Oh, God. Okay. So I <laughs> recognize that there's Jesus. no like – there's no time to get a rag, whatever <laughs> oh, that oh, means, <laughs> a wet rag, and start scraping at these fashion clothes. I am now it's in the middle milk. and I'm covered in chocolate and I'm due to go out in like 10 minutes – all I wanted was this dumb protein drink. And I go up to my one handler, I guess you'd call her, and she is – what's a nice way of saying it? She's she's a, a fashion bitch. Okay, got it. Okay, yeah. That, <laughs> and that's I the PC way to put it. Yeah, seriously. And I know Tightly that might, wound. That might she, but her job was to yell at people, oh. to make people scared, to okay. get people in line. An There's intimidator. No, there, yeah, seriously. It was the – now there was no time for like we're being friendly and nice to one another. You get in line. You look forward. There is no blinking on the catwalk. And I'm just like in the middle of it. So now I have to walk up to her. No and blinking I, on the catwalk. You know, just little details like yes, that. Where yes. it's like, this is what we do, people. Reminders. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And I walk up to her. And I'm preparing to figure out what I'm going to say to her. You have and protein be- chocolate on your chest. Before I walk up to her and, and say anything, she looks at me. And she says, come with me. Uh oh. <laughs> and anyone whose parents have been disappointed but not angry in them know that come with me is usually a bad start. William Ward Scafiri, you get over here right now. You're coming to the principal's office. Yep. She had, <laughs> she saw me and she immediately had a plan, which I appreciate. Yes. There's, there was no time to yell at me. There was no time to correct anything. It's a military operation. The stakes are incredibly high. So as I mentioned, my dudes, the yep. guys that I was rooting for, were pipe hanging up the pipe and drape. Definitely. They were wearing like sweatshirts and sweatpants and stuff. I guess that there was a bit of an industrial feel to the show. Yes. Um, Where was the show, by the way? Was it at- Fashion Week at Bryant Park. Bryant Park. The it was one. On that big t- the freaking one. Le- this was the show. <laughs> like Bill's the Grammys there. for clothes. Doesn't make sense. God Bill's almighty. There. She... Doesn't she doesn't explain? She already knows that they hired an idiot. There's nothing that they could do with this outfit or this guy. <laughs> Muscle milk. But the union guys who were pipe and drape, yes, they were going to be a little on stage. They were going to be like rotating the stage and doing things like like this. you're saying it's industrial. You're like breaking the fourth wall. You're seeing the mechanics of the fashion show. She throws me in a union guy Get outfit. Get the fudge out of here. And she makes me just stand next to the entrance where the models <laughs> come out. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm not in the show. I'm a union guy. <laughs> I don't know how any of this works. But uh, now, when all of these models walk out, I'm just giving them these like solemn nods like, hey, now I'm, <laughs> I'm over here. <laughs> now, I have, to cap this very long story, I have, God, never, I have never seen Isaac Mizrahi again. <laughs> I wonder if he even realized that I, was, I or his clothing wasn't in the show. I ruined his clothing. And oh god! And yes, I've been a model before. Jesus, Billy, that is so so funny. I don't know if I believe in God, but I will say that sometimes the world puts you where you need to be. <sighs> Lord knows, I didn't belong on that catwalk, and, and some the- higher spirit said, 
He's a union guy. He's a union guy. He's more pipe and drape than he is uh, silk chambray, whatever it is. That's right. Oh, God. Billy, that is so funny, man. Well, that's a long story ad. <laughs> Holy crap. That is really, really worth it. Uh, so that's we'll... why we're making videos. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because we're two beautiful model models who need to be seen. God, Bill, that is so, so deeply funny. We are 11 minutes into the episode, and we haven't even said what this I episode know. is going to be about. Okay. It is not going to be about modeling. No, it isn't. We're going to try and uh, talk about social media. Social media is something that we all deal with. It is like our second skin. You don't have a choice anymore. We don't have a you choice. You have social media. Yes. You have social media. <laughs> you have, that's probably how you learned about this podcast. Almost 100%. It's almost for certain. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we're going to discuss that on the episode yeah. today. And it's been a bit overwhelming, I would say, social media. It seems like there's yep. always a new app coming out. Yes. Or, and where social media comes, news comes. Yes. And it just can be very overwhelming. And now overload. in tumultuous times. Yes. Sometimes it's even more intimidating to have to read these headlines and scare columns and yes. fake news and all this kind of stuff. And separate the wheat from the chaff and the truth from the weirdness. Right. And, yeah, it can but get... But it's an appendage. I mean, social media appendage. is an appendage. Yes. So I say before we get into all yeah. the stresses that it currently brings, yeah. we should rewind it just yeah. a touch yeah. um, to our first – Our origins. Yeah, our origins, origins of origin social media. story. You are a reluctant uh, I, I was, social media yeah, user. Yeah, I'm a uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Not Philistine, but like that term that means like people who are a Luddite, like very, very slow to adapt technology. Yes. Uh, that's like one of the differences between you and I. In fact, we made a rap song about it. Correct. <laughs> and about how, how you uh, run full force into new technology like a good, curious American boy. Correct. Uh, and I am much more reluctant, a little more resistant to change. My comfort zone with tech is significantly smaller than yours. Correct. So it takes a little bit more for me to hop on board with these dot-coms. And you usually won't do it yourself. In fact, the <laughs> first time you got into social media, it was because someone forced your hand. Our, our mutual friend, Melissa, who uh, was a producer for ESPN at the time, and uh, we were making a web series for ESPN New York called well, The Pretty Good Sports Show. Yep. And it was like a weekly, cute, sort of New York sports wrap-up uh, that we did with our mutual friends Craig, Matt, and Dan. Uh, but Melissa was the producer and sort of ran the show, and this was 2010. Yep. So Facebook is, I don't know, a few years old. And yeah. like already sort of like standard human oh, thing. Oh, it's like, yeah, that's like six years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone has it. It's like how, it's the phone book Right, already. but when everyone has it, that means that you don't. Yeah, I okay. do have a bit of a contrarian streak in that way. And yep. also just like, I don't know, like my phone, it, you know, it's like cracked as shit. I just don't care for tech that much. I don't take yeah. good care of my, my yeah. tech life. I don't think it's you being a contrarian by not wanting Facebook 10 right. years ago or six years ago. I think it's just you knowing what you don't want. Yeah. Another yeah. distraction. Yeah, just another distraction. It's right. like I already have like this ADD brain. It's like do I really need this other thing to be scrolling? Um, but turns out I love it and I do. Sure. So in 2010, Melissa, this producer, was like, hey, man, like we're doing this web series on the internet. So part of being on the internet is participating in the internet. Right. So you participate. Need... Yeah, participate. Find a way of participating man. by getting an account. Getting man. an account. So your first one was Facebook. It was Facebook, yeah. And it was the summer of 2010. And I remember it was a very joyous time for your friends because <laughs> everyone loves you. Yes. And you were a little hard to pin down <laughs> Like to like communicate with on social media because you didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just fun for everyone else to know that you are now accessible. It is like being reborn. It was like, oh, and Adam got birthed into Seriously, social media today. The, the digital rebirth. The digital rebirth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But and you were an early adopter of Facebook. You were on it. I in first college? heard about Facebook in 2004 when I was a senior in college wow. or a junior in college, and. Um, one of the girls that I worked with at the comedy paper came up to me and she's like, hey, there's this thing called Facebook and everyone in college, you can like link up and meet different college kids as long as you are in college because I guess that's how Facebook started. Yes. 
And I was so quick to dismiss it. Yeah. I was just like, no, that sounds so creepy. Yeah. Like, who, who needs it? Who yes. needs it? Yes. A few years later, sucked right into that. Everyone the, needs sucked it. Sucked right yeah. into that vacuum. Who needs it? Who needs it? Oh, right. everyone literally le- needs and breathes it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about yeah. today. That is the first act break, believe it or not. Gosh, almighty. Isaac Misrahi, God bless you. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> who knew it was going to be about modeling? <laughs> um, we mentioned Gadget. Yes. We mentioned that Gadget song. Yes. We've played it before. We have. We shouldn't be reluctant to play songs that are appropriate. Sure. We have other. We have another song that we stumbled upon. Yes. Snakes has one more bullet left in the chamber that we have not revealed to our No Joke listeners yet. Yes. Uh, it, it comes from our Network Takeover album, which is where Billy and I took television theme songs and repurposed them as hip-hop beats. Yes. Thanks to our genius producer, Rich Royce. Yes. And this was uh, – we're obviously huge Curb Enthusiasm fans. Yes. Massive Larry David fans, obviously. We're rational people. Right. So we took the Curb beat uh, – Theme song, twisted it up into a sort of a weird love letter to Larry David. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Um, we also included a rapper named MC Paul Barman. Yes. Who a lot of people may know. Yep. Um, we and didn't... our friend Chloe Wepper sings the hook. That's right. Yes. So there's some talent on this song. Yes. It's a bit of a cluster. Yeah. But uh, that being said, maybe you like a couple lines or maybe you have something to complain about. <laughs> Tell us on social media. Yes. We'll be right back. Thank you. What compels me to have this unconditional love for LD? I know it's not that he's mentally healthy. Certainly not that he's graciously wealthy. Cause he looks like a serpent. Like some sort of weird grumpy juicy urchin. To whom all social niceties are a burden. And plus with that face I'm shocked he's not a virgin. He's all sideburns. Cause he's like a seahorse But the kind of seahorse who's unafraid to incorporate his real life divorce To a TV show with apparently no remorse so To a dick like him that's just par for the course Head so bald, heart so cold Beady little eyes peer right into my soul As far as humans go, he's the all-time rudest So nervous he's making Richard Lewis there look like no a Buddhist way to say. I think about him every day Church on Sunday, not me. I got HBO. I'm watching my TV. I'm watching my boy Larry unintentionally piss off everybody in the world that he ever meets. So mean. Kick your enthusiasm to the curb. Yep. Post up on your couch. Burn a little herb. Watch Larry be a grouch. He walks with a slouch. He talks with a wine, but Cheryl is fine with it. Jeff is cool with it. Leon too. You know Susie's gonna bitch. What the hell's he gonna do? You got a question? He got the answer. The man is the man who created George Costanza. He can't stand ya, but he's the boss. Someone tell that to Andy Samberg and Tony Danza. One got LeBron, Jay's taking Dwayne Wade. Third pick in the draft, snakes are taking Larry no other way to say. I think about him every day. I'm in love with Larry Jersey Shore, we found shelter from the storm inside Mercy Corps. 
A complex institution devoted to conflict resolution. Raj punched my cheek. I did what worked before. Found Raj, asked him for his version of events. His little cousin Ikra started screaming his defense. If we were all competent parents, perhaps we all could have been friends. The boys failed to shake hands, and I made the mistake to take a stand. When I mediated at previous playdates, they resolved damn near breakdance. No one told me only interfere when your son is the aggressor. The kid left my son hanging in the air. I said, what, too much pressure? The same pressure as the fist that kissed his cheek? The kid went to his mommy's lap to weep, and she freaked out at me in front of the site director, who later disinvited me from giving that special lecture. I bumped into the mom again at soccer the next week. If you ever talk to my son again, I'm going to call the police. She approached the coach, gestured towards me, while I wondered what the heck to do besides record this story. The kid kept leaving the field, she dragged him back, he nestled his head in her shirt for the first time it occurred, perhaps he's special ed. Meanwhile, a fun tyke climbed my son's bike, she tried to strike up conversation unlike that freaking nanny planning something to the mobile device. I'm the one who talks to these mofos, treats them as equals, but don't talk to people you don't know applies to me too. Ooh. Snakes with Paul Barman and our dear friend Chloe Wepper. That song is I'm in love with Larry David. Right. <laughs> Sometimes in that song, we, it sounds like we are uh, dissing Larry. Yeah. Or insulting the way that Larry behaves. Yeah. We love Larry. We love it. We, I'm in love with Larry David. We are literally in love with him. We walk in his shadow. He is our philosophical beacon through this weird world. Yeah. I would uh, say that's probably one of the only songs we've written, Adam, where the chorus is in a minor key. I know. It's it's like very atonal. Um, yeah, it's like in the Disney musical when the, when the villain comes in and the music takes like a minor key sure yeah yeah it's like javar's theme that's a good challenge that yeah, sounds a, a really good challenge, good challenge. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh yeah shout out to mc paul barman mc paul barman yes who uh, our friends elliot and jared were huge fans of his and we had sort of a in fact maggie my lady love is a long time paul barman fan okay yeah so sure. he was uh we were lucky to have him on that when track. we made that song we got in touch with him and we said that the, the nature of the song is that we're kind of like it's called i'm in love with larry david we're shouting out Kirby enthusiasm, yeah. all the characters within it. Yes. I write a verse and have some fun within that world. Yes. He came back with a very personal tale about his son getting into a fight with another with child. another kid at a school and how he it was awkward for him to deal with the parent of that other kid who had hit his kid. Right. And it was like a it was it was just so interesting because we were like, you know, our minds were like broad, curb or curb adjacent just stuff. Just say Larry. Say Jeff, Susie, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Just like right. the main and he was like, Well, this is this is how the the ethos of curb enthusiasm has manifested in my actual personal life. Right. Like a real IRL super awkward micro interaction. 
reaction right. that I have had that would be the fodder for a Curb episode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely one of those learning moments where it was like, okay, when you ask someone to hop on a track, you accept what they give you. Yes. Part of me doesn't understand what you're talking about, sir, but, but that's thanks, okay. thanks for hopping in. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and we remain in love with Larry David to this day, and we can't wait for the new season of Curb Enthusiasm to exist. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Adam, can I put you on blast for a second? Please do. Did you meet Larry David recently? Oh, I did, recently. I Well, I was lucky enough to audition for Curb Enthusiasm. Which is great to know that it is real, because sometimes it's you read in the papers that, like, Curb is coming back, but it's until real. you feel like you have a boot on the ground or someone who knows what's actually happening... Yeah. Curb is coming back. You auditioned. I did. I auditioned. It, it was a thrill. I mean, it took all of, you know, how these auditions are all of 155 seconds. Right. But a lot of our listeners don't know how auditions go. And it should be said that if you are not a member of a cast of a television show, but you're auditioning for that television show, more times than not, you will not be auditioning with the characters That's true. and the actors who are in the television That's true. show. Uh, more times than not, it's the casting. casting director. They're going to read the script, and you're just going to have to do your best. Right, that's right. Curb Your Enthusiasm is that unique type of show yeah. where you can't really fake what Larry and Jeff are going to say. How do you recreate Larry? So much of it is energy. improvised. Yes, exactly. And so much of it is about the relationship, the give and take that's of this right. improvised scene. Yes. That if you're going to audition for the show, I would assume you need to have Larry and Jeff there. And he ver- they both very much were. You uh, walk into that room, you see Larry David. Did you? Is that a surprise, or did you hear him from outside? Well, that was I was in kind of the waiting room and just hearing him bellow without hearing him without seeing him and just hearing him bellow to the casting director from sort of inside their the the room that they were in Mm -hmm. was uh was a very stein it was like i I think i told like a shudder almost like went through my body like oh it's steinbrenner from seinfeld it was just like that moment hearing him without seeing him and yelling that voice it was steinbrenner larry david everything came together it is such an iconic jewish rasp (laughs) it was just that that tone right yeah um so that was a real thrill Um, and we truly are in love with Larry David. Right. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, it's the second act of this, the No Joke Podcast. Today, we are trying to talk about social media, yes. though we're talking a lot about Larry David and modeling. And Isaac Mizrahi. Larry David is someone that it would, it would, I would almost venture a guess that he is not on social media. Safe bet. Safe bet, right? That guy doesn't want to deal. When he, in the episode of Curvy Enthusiasm, where they found out that there was robbers in the neighborhood, he, and a, one of his roommates, when, when he uh, brought in the blacks. Yes. Uh, Leon, Leon Black and yes. that family. Yes, yes. One of them talked to the neighbors about this robber. Yes. Larry David said, yes. what are you doing talking to the neighbors? And she's like, there's a robber. And he says, I'd rather have robbers than neighbors. The neighbors want your time. The robbers want your stuff. I'd rather give them stuff than time. Right. Exactly. So I don't think that Larry David wants to give anyone anything. No. no none of his time on social media. Social he doesn't media. want to give his like little quips. Yes. Right? I mean, that's the thing. One of the amazing things about social media, and again, as we sort of touched on in the first act, it, it can be overwhelming because it is this floodgate of like the complete democracy democratization of information. Everyone has equal say in 140 characters. For like, better or worse. For better and worse, absolutely. But one of the things that kind of make it for better is that it's this direct pipeline to these celebrities that there was there would be no other conceivable way to contact them in real life. Sure. And yet it is this strange direct pipeline. Which sounds good in theory. In theory. And then you cut to Leslie Jones. <laughs> to and, Leslie Jones. Exactly. And it's like, oh, you also have direct access, access to, to everybody. Anyone you want. Right. Yeah. Theoretically, it sounds great to like get to tweet your favorite like actor like, I just saw your movie. You're uh, yeah. so good in it. Yes. But there's garbage out there. There's garbage people out there who tweet garbage things at lovely humans. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of the – That's uh, the double-edged sword. That's exactly that's it. what you get. And so then it comes down to the personal responsibility of the people using it. Yes. And as we all know, most people are idiots. Most people uh, – <laughs> That is a tough condemnation, but I can't say I disagree. People slant dumb. Tough <laughs> – 
<laughs> it takes work to be smart yeah. and to hold yourself to a high standard. Most true. people don't work towards that. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Sure. I get. I don't know what your social media style is. I mean, I think I do because we're probably we think we're the same brain. But I get. I find myself being hyper conscious of what I put out on social media. What yeah. I tweet. I'm not a careless tweeter. Right. I feel like I. Uh, I maybe shade on the side of being overcautious in terms of is this. Can be this mis- could this tweet be misconstrued in a weird way? Am I okay. offending a group here? Is this rude in some right, way? Right. I do feel like I have that sort of internal checks and balances sort it's of like – Good instinct. Yes. I would say so. That's a good instinct because there is a certain anonymity behind it where you, you can just say anything and just let it disappear. Exactly. But I think we hold ourselves a little higher. It is. It's It's like it lulls you into uh, – it's tempting to – it removes you a little bit from the personal responsibility of communication, from being behind that keyboard and being able to type whatever you want. Which totally. Which is why animals, I think, can get – can feel protected by harassing Leslie Jones and others on the internet because you are, in a way, literally protected. Right. Um, but, yes, it does It does take an, an extra level of consideration or responsibility to make sure that your social media right. output and point of view is safe. And, and, and that's Twitter. And that's I would Twitter. Say, there's yeah. other ones. You know, like, I agree. Twitter is very much a writer's medium. Yeah. And I think that that uh, comes with responsibility. Yeah. Words really matter. Yes. Then there's things like Snapchat. Yes. Um, which is just slap a dumb dog face. Slap a dumb. <laughs> slap a dumb dog face on your daughter and everyone's having a good old time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's like how it's you interact. a different thing. Yeah. yeah. But as with Twitter, I, I'm like you, where... If there's like a hot button issue, I don't want to be – I don't want to provoke. Right. I have nothing to gain from that. Right. I'm not checking Twitter enough where it's like I'm really that committed to it. Right. But I do have a relationship where I do want to be funny. Yeah. I want to be funny. Yeah. And that actually has – I mean, Seriously. Sim- simply put. It's like I don't I don't want to just like have thoughts. I just kind of want to have jokes. And right. that's not for everybody. But for me, that's like what I like. Right. And I also – and I've talked about this with other comedian friends – when you look back at your tweets, yeah. do you want it to look like a portfolio right. or like a rolling consciousness? And either one's fine, and but what do you want it to look like? Exactly. And I think I want to look back and be like, oh, I like that joke. I like oh, that, that joke's pretty funny. That's just a good joke. That's a good joke. Exactly. Um, so that's kind of where I filter myself. Yeah. But I try – I find myself not getting provoked uh, into uh, you know spats back and forth dialogue. Right. And you've never been like – and I've never really been. But you've never been like quote-unquote harassed or you haven't had any sort of like weird internet troll sort of like tweet something nasty at you. Knock ever. on wood, no. Knock on wood, no. Me neither. Probably not so famous far. enough is, is the bottom line. We definitely aren't. That's literally yeah, yeah. all – I think that's all it really takes <laughs> yeah. is to just kind of be in the public eye enough for someone to just try and Latch get a rise on and get a rise out of you. Yeah. yeah. So no, I've never been harassed. And I would say that as a guy who likes to believe that he could beat up a lot of people, <laughs> it pisses me off when there are people who tweet at you all these mean things. And it's yeah. like, say it to my <laughs> face, man. You know, I wish we could be here. Well, it's I those know. Twitter fingers that I just know. get you real tough. I know. And it's like, you're drinking a three liter of Fago in your mom's basement. I you're know. not doing anything to anyone. Louis right C.K. has an amazing stand-up bit about how when we're in our vehicles, it's like we transform yes. into different human beings. And Go. like we say things to strangers that we would literally never say to their face. Like, That's never. True. Guilty. I'm guilty, guilty of this. When you're protected in the bubble in the cocoon of your motor vehicle, you call perfectly sweet strangers that you you don't know the most vile things. It's wild. It's wild. That is such a clear example of Twitter, but like in real life. Twitter. I, and that is Twitter, essentially. I would say that the uh, another place or environment where I am like, who are you, man? <laughs> yeah. I've definitely reined it in. Not as well as the car. The car, I'm just a mess and a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Is sporting events. Yeah. It's like people think that there's like this force field <laughs> like, where you can just a... say these things about these umpires and men and women who are on the field. And you're just like, 
This is a this what is a th- <laughs> this is a public sphere, and there's no cone of silence that you're standing in right Seriously. now. Seriously, my nine year old niece is standing next to me. Seriously, yeah. in no other environment are you calling that guy eight feet away, piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. It's like whoa, guys. Yes. Yeah, and Twitter really is. I mean, Twitter again, specifically all of Twitter social media specific. away, but Twitter is just like the condensed version of it. Yes, especially I think like the character limit has another thing to do with it. With Facebook, you can sort of post a long rant that that digs into all of the nuances of your point of view. Right. And, it can sort of you can write an essay essentially on Facebook, but that's why we have blogs. That's right. why we have blogs. Right. Twitter is like these t- deliberately short, tiny microbytes. Microblogging was mm-hmm. what they called it initially. I think yeah, these little yeah. microbytes. Uh, and so again, I I do think that it was almost a gift for comedians. Yes. A gift. It was like it was a, the obvious overlap of like oh it's a it's a joke generator. Yeah, it's a, a right. joke machine. I mean, yeah, yeah, seriously. You used to have to like do shows all the time to try and get your voice out in the littlest ways. Yes. And now people are getting hired for late night shows and becoming showrunners simply because they have such a specific point of view on Twitter. One of the very first guests that we had on this podcast was our dear friend Shelby Farrow, right. who is who I would say falls into this category. Uh, she is, I don't know how old she is now, maybe like 23-ish or 24-ish, but she is a hilarious comedy writer and her medium frankly is twitter <laughs> and she's amazing at it amazing amazing yeah some people really are amazing at, specifically at twitter rob delaney is like rob delaney became the gold standard for like twitter comedians i feel like he's just so funny amazing and he write he would write like essays about why he thinks twitter is so good for yeah. guys like him yeah guys who've been in comedy for a while just couldn't get their footing but will be an unstoppable wave of jokes he's seriously like, if you copy one of my jokes i'm just gonna write 10 more before the internet, attitude. Rob Delaney has to go to the Chaco Hut in Madison, Wisconsin. Has to go to to build a fan base right. nationally to right. like really grassroots and like groundswell build a fan base. Yeah. And now Twitter has just. I mean, and though I think comedians still do that. Obviously, you and I aren't like stand up comedians like doing the circuit. But I feel like maybe that was why Rob Delaney thought Twitter was just like how could it not? Huge. Especially when you have kids and stuff. Yeah, you know, it's like well, if you want to be performing nonstop, be in the public eye, but you can't leave the leave house. your literal home. Yeah, it's good opportunity. <clears throat> YouTube isn't exactly a social media. Uh, it kind of is. I mean, it's in that world. Yes. But we used it. Harvard Sailing Team used yeah. it. And now you and I are using it again. Yes. For that same exact thing. Exactly. You like, can... we don't want to necessarily have to do shows in, like, random places that are very difficult to get to. That's right. But we do want to be performing for everyone. Exactly. And we want those people to see us. Right. And see our silly goofs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we goof online. We goof online. Yeah. Yeah. So I like social media. Yeah, me too. Very much. It definitely comes with its own pitfalls. But overall, yes, I like it. And, you know, it's like we are – what did you say? 2004 Facebook came around? So around we're like, that. you know, the fir- we're a dozen years into the this social media kind of like experiment. Yep. Uh, it certainly brought the world closer together yep. in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it literally toppled an – like it led to an Egyptian revolution. Like Twitter played such a huge part in the Arab Spring. It was yep. like it isn't just frivolous. Twitter sometimes in uh, countries that maybe don't have a free press or information is restricted. Yes. Twitter is l- literally the – one uh, new is like the news outlet yes. and the way that people literally almost sometimes the only way that people communicate with each other. That's right. In certain countries. And uh, <laughs> Facebook has quickly become the propaganda outlet Ooh, where baby. you can just make fake news fake. and it will spread like wildfire. And then there's no dissemination between yes. what is real, what is not. And one of the spookiest stories from the election. Sorry to interrupt you, Bill. Please do. One of the spookiest stories from the election was this this um, reports of these teens in this one village in Macedonia essentially generating all of this fake 
uh, news and all this uh, fake headlines and fake articles uh, that they would then sell for, you know, 500 bucks a pop, 1,000 bucks a pop to websites like Breitbart and all these weird sort of like pseudo fact but pseudo propaganda websites. And this fake news on Facebook, unfortunately, which has been revealed, I think, very acutely in this election, is like its weird own cottage industry, very much a cottage industry right. that exists. Right. The proliferation and the propagation of falsified news and on you Facebook. Wonder, <laughs> what is the responsibility of Facebook and all of these mediums? It's like, does Twitter have to address hate speech? And yeah. could it become a crime? Yeah. Could fa- does Facebook have to take the personal responsibility of saying if we're going to be a media platform, yeah. then we have to take the responsibility of what goes on that platform? All sorts of ethical questions. They you will know? Be, they'll be arriving for the rest of our life, most likely. Truly. And if it is a truly open forum, how fair is it for the powers that be at Facebook to quote-unquote say what is quote-unquote trending? Right. And like what gets bumped up to the top of your feed? Right. Who sees what? I mean like, you know, if we were conspiracy theorists, we could really, you know, dive deep on the sort of <laughs> the people who control our social media mechanisms allowing us to see only what they think we want to see. We need we to do an episode on conspiracy theories. Yeah, we should totally do that, right? Need. Oh my god. Yeah, that's good a, call. That's that'll be in the next couple of weeks we should go conspiracy. Absolutely. Theories. Yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> um all right, well, that's the end of the second act. Okay. Dad. I say that we uh, just keep this show rolling right along. Let's do it. Um, Let's take a quick break. Let's do it. Uh, We will take a sip of water and we'll be right back. Perfect. Sounds good. So last week, we mentioned a couple of organizations that we have been donating some money to, including the ACLU, uh, the Civil Liberties Union, and Planned Parenthood. Uh, And I just wanted to give another shout out to the NRDC, which is the National Resource Defense Council. Uh, And the NRDC creates solutions for lasting environmental change, protecting natural resources in the U.S. and across the globe. Uh, It's a great organization to give to uh, to save the earth. Yeah, uh, I think that we are kind of in a place and a time in mind where we have to take responsibility for things that we're afraid of. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're afraid that some uh, crucial human elements are going to get lost potentially Mm -hmm. in this current president-elect cycle. So that's why we're doing this. So the NRDC has a website that you could uh, donate to. And anything that you donate is you get a tax rebate. Yep. So your money is going to a good place and it also comes back to you. Yep. So if you visit nrdc.org, yep. you will do a very small but very meaningful contribution to saving the planet. Yep. And frankly, what is more important than that? It's what we eat. It's where we live. It's the air we breathe. Uh, and we need to protect it now more than ever. nrdc.org. Make a donation if you can. And if you can't, just go to the website, read up on what you can do that doesn't involve money. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Back to the podcast. Welcome back to the No Joke Podcast. This is Act 3. Billy and I are talking about social media today. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned, inevitably and almost undoubtedly the way that you know about this podcast. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you are on social media, please share the podcast. Yes. We haven't really been encouraging you guys to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, but we would really very much still like you guys to please, do so. Please, please do that. It's a real endorphin rush for us to sort of like see a new review yeah. or like see another five-star rating come in. Yeah. Uh, and it, there's something nice about that. That platform, people saying where around the world they are listening to the podcast. It's really meaningful. Because we've gotten South Korea. We've gotten truly Sweden around the world, you know, and that, for whatever reason, feels like a nice place to put it. So if you go on iTunes, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Please share the podcast on social media with your friends. Please do. Suggestions for episode ideas that you might want us to talk about. We are completely open to that. We would love your feedback. Yes. Things that you like and don't like about the podcast. We have open minds. Open hearts are ready to improve. You can talk. Tweet at us at No Joke Pod. Yep. Once again, at No Joke Pod. Adam's handle is at Adam Lustig, and I'm at Billy Scafuri. Yes. You can also email us at uh, No Joke Pod. 
at gmail.com. That's right. We often go back and forth about, is it No Joke Pod? No Joke Podcast? I think it's pod. I think it's pod right across the board. No Joke Pod at gmail.com. If you're cool, you call a podcast a pod. That's just like, Billy and I are cool supermodels, so we just sort of like follow all the coolest trends. Yeah, we have fans (laughs) blowing through our hair right now. We are just laid back. Fabio. Fabio. Yeah, so enjoy the pod. Yes. uh, One of our, we were discussing Twitter comedians in the last act, including Rob Delaney and all these wonderful uh, comedians who have just used Twitter to thrive. Uh, uh, One of our friends and favorite comedians is this fellow named Joe Mandy, Mm -hmm. who maybe some of our listeners are familiar with. Um, He is absolutely hysterical. And he has an article that he wrote that is coming out in, I think, the upcoming issue of The New Yorker that is all about how he – uh, he was also reluctant to join Twitter as a comedian. He was like, why do I want to do that? I could just like go do comedy in life like a normal human being. Right. Uh, somebody had convinced him to join it because if you – so I think in the article it was like his friend convinced him essentially by saying, if you don't take at Joe Mandy, someone else is going to and tweet in your name. And, and Mandy was Sold. like, by the end of the meeting, I was on Twitter. Yes. So he, <laughs> Seriously, and, just to protect yourself. To protect your own you brand. You need to take on a new lifetime of responsibility. A lifetime. So inevitably he got caught up with it and tweeting and tweeting and tweeting. It's so fun. You get instant feedback and that dopamine rush of every fave and every retweet and every fave and every Notifications, retweet. dog. Come on, dog. The people love a good notification. Yeah. But Joe is also really smart and cynical and has a really sort of like acerbic and skeptical point of view. And yeah. it's like, I still think this still feels a little like BS a little bit. Okay. And in an effort to go to sort of prove how silly and almost arbitrary social media and being famous on social media, what that means. Because Lady Gaga had 25 million, million followers. followers. And Joe Mandy, and he came to realize that like half of those followers were bots. Yes. Like not real human beings, just computer algorithms that for whatever reason follow Lady Gaga and boost her follower count by millions yes. from these weird computer algorithms that aren't real people. Much like the kids in Macedonia making fake news, exactly. there are literally other companies around the world who just create fake accounts Truly. that will, on schedule, like and retweet a lot of your accounts. They're not real people. Not real it people. It is purely zeros and ones. Exactly. Um, but they exist, and you could buy them in the, in the you bushels. You buy them by the bushel, which is exactly what Joe Mandy did. Right. He would buy <laughs> – he would spend twenty dollars. I, I can't remember. Said a week or a day. I think it might have been a day. Sure, twenty dollars a day buying literally hundreds of thousands of bot followers from places like Moldova. Yes, where or essentially Macedonia. Sure, and he his Twitter followership would fluctuate so wildly because right. he would buy like five hundred thousand followers, right. and his Twitter like he would jump to almost a million. Yes, Twitter would get wind of it. Would literally swing back down a hundred. You'd lose one hundred and twenty thousand of your most loyal fans. <laughs> he would wake up in the morning. And it's like he would just, and he started to develop this like jokey relationship with these bots as though they're it's not that jokey anymore, <laughs> as though they're real. Sure. So essentially, waking up and finding that 100,000 had been essentially murdered overnight. Gone. In your- genocide. <laughs> Digital genocide. Digital Twitter genocide. A wipeout. Correct. Uh, so he has a very, very hilarious article that is coming out. And true, I mean, hilarious because Joe is hilarious and it's true uh, about his sort of effort to cheat his way to a million Twitter followers. His quest towards a million <laughs> fake. A million fake Twitter followers. I believe that his fiance or girlfriend at the time demanded that for every dollar he spend on a bot, he had to also donate another dollar to a charity. Just like, come on, Joe. If there's you're a gonna... balance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a balance. Yes. If you're going to waste your money giving it to these Cyberspace. Like, cyber hackers yes. in Moldova, yes. please also <laughs> give, give a dollar to the ACLU. Yes. Right. So, Joe, we respect you. We revere you. Uh, cool mill. Cool, He's got a cool mill followers. The dude's the best. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, third act of the No Joke podcast. Once again, we are talking about social media. 
the future of social media. Yes. It feels like the future of social media is here. Is here now. But it can't be. I know. There's always a tomorrow. What the frick is next? Right. What could be next? Have you played with VR? I really haven't all that much. No? Uh, briefly, our friend Jody, who's a DP, I played a little bit with that cardboard. Google Cardboard. Google Cardboard. That is the extent of my relationship with VR. Which is pretty legit. Yeah. I mean, for what it is, Google Cardboard. I think it was like sent out in like every New York Times one day. Oh, okay. Got it. But I, I think you can probably get in touch with Google and they'll probably send you one because it's that cheap. That's cool. And the whole like end game is mm-hmm. that you start buying apps and downloading things for it. But VR feels like... That's going to be its own, like, social media, like, all-consuming. Because now on social media, I find that a lot of people, a lot of lonely people, and I I don't mean that in a negative way, but Mm -hmm. it's true, spend a lot of time on social media Mm -hmm. looking for companionship, just looking for other voices in the room. Human connectivity. Right. And I think that the next step is a VR-type thing where it's not just words and an occasional picture you throw up there, but you put on your mask. And your friends are now operating in this world in with your you. Virtual world. Exactly. You want to go to the quote unquote mall? Yeah, Harvard Sailing Teams in Jamaica. That's pretty great, right? I mean, I'll take that. <laughs> it's, that it's that like Second Life. Do you remember like yes. Second Life? Yes. Or it was like almost like a sim that you can really control yeah, and yeah. You start buying them food and clothes and dressing them. Like your people. avatar. Exactly. Yes. Doesn't that seem like. Yes. <laughs> yes. 100% yes. Because that is even more social media yeah you know like if if we could become yeah, truly social right yeah where we could be interacting like people yeah big quotes but we are not people but we are interacting you know billy that's a great point is because it almost has become like anti-social media in this way now where yeah. it, it sort of encourages us to sort of like hole up like you said in our in our basements and in our bedrooms and just like quote unquote communicate with the world that way that on this feel, one flat screen one flat screen it feels like connectivity but there is a falsehood yes. to how the, like it's it's anti-intimacy simulta- yeah. yeah and simultaneously it feels futuristic and antiquated exactly great point but i do think that the thing that you're kind of articulating or imagining where it's like everyone puts on their mask yes and then we all go to jamaica and now we're walking around jamaica sure. talking to each other climbing up the waterfall joking I'm into it, man. And like, uh, <laughs> I want to climb up a wall and joke in Jamaica with you with a mask. Me too, dog. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, and I get that, like, the dystopian version of that is very matrixy. It's like, and that, like, is like the version of us, like, in real life, we're like plugged into our thing, like, in our chairs, and like, but in our brain life, we're in Jamaica. Yeah. But bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> Who cares? I'm ready to plug in. I'm yeah. saying, man, this has been. I'm so glad that you are showing signs of interest. Yeah. Because this has been something that I've like. Just the world of holograms, the world of VR. Yeah. Uh, what becomes what becomes actual? What do we like commit to? All these like futuristic technological questions. I find that I'm very excited by. Yes, and I get spooked by. And you get spooked by. Yeah. But it's fun to hear you just have like the slightest door ajar. Yeah, it's a think, jar. Yeah. It's but I wonder if then with all the fun, we can climb up waterfalls if there's going to be the bad ones. Well, yeah. I mean, that's – I mean it, – You God. always got to consider the bad yeah, ones who, like, who ruin your fun. People will use – whatever tool exists in the world, someone will use it for bad. Harvard Sailing Team could be on Twitter, and we could all be tweeting back and forth one another in public, joking around and having a good time. Yes. It doesn't really matter. Yes. And then one person who you don't know from somewhere else comes in and just slams you all. Hey. Ruins it all. Don't hit Farron. Those people could exist in virtual reality too. I think that they inevitably will. Game on. Game on, though. But that, I guess, gives me what I want, which you is can... I don't want the trolls to have all the power because they're behind their keyboard, 
put them in the same room you as me. You can virtually beat them up. How, I wonder? I might need a virtual <laughs> net. You can vir- I might need to make a virtual net. <laughs> to virtually catch, catch them. Yes. And virtually bring them to their virtual mom and dads. Into it all. Exactly. Into uh, it all. I mean, I really do think, though, that it is almost fulfilling the actual promise of social media and of the internet, to be honest, which is uh, – and we talked about empathy a couple episodes ago. But I do think that a – a world where you could virtually explore other parts of the world from your own living room yes. um, could go a long way in increasing empathy for people that can't necessarily afford or don't have the resources to travel right, and to get out about in on Earth, yes, uh, which is most of us, frankly. Traveling is expensive and time-consuming, and people have lives. Right. However, much like the weekend where you and I discovered Google Earth – Good weekend, man. <laughs> much like that weekend, if you have a, a, a an accessible – portal a real portal to the rest of the world yeah. where you can really go to that Jamaican waterfall and right. really climb that wall right. and really like see what a Native American village is like and really go and see what life is like in Pakistan or India right. really right uh that would be it might lead to empathy or it might lead to Westworld it might lead to Westworld <laughs> yeah, where exactly. it's like you mean I could just kill all of these people without consequence yes there would be that too it's like real life Grand Theft Auto Grand Theft Auto is like halfway there yeah it's like what would you do if you just had free reign of the world I guess I'd punch a prostitute and steal and a hundred steal a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't know exactly that's what's provided to me in this alternative reality exactly it's like social media is only as good capital G good like morally good as the people who occupy it correct <laughs> it's like there is the theme of today's social episode. media isn't a, a thing separate from us as as America as we are global humans. We are the social media. We are the media. social media. It's us. It's as good and bad as we are, which is both good and bad. Good, <laughs> good point, Adam. And that is the theme of yeah. today's episode. So social media. Social media is not an add an add on to the human experience. It is simply a mirror. Yes. It is a prism through which the organic tendencies and inclinations of humans are filtered. And that's what it kind of seems like. And that's what it kind of seems like. <laughs> Seriously. Well yeah. said. Yeah. Well said. And I think that the responsibility uh, should be taken upon for every user of social media to contribute in a way that they want to be – they want social media to be for them. Yes. If you don't want it to be an angry place, don't antagonize. Yes. And it is crazy because it feels frivolous. Again, it's like Twitter is a decade old. It feels transient. It feels ethereal. These tweets just go out into the ether and go away. However, you really do fast forward 30 years and people are going to be – I don't know. There's a chance I think that people are going to be looking back at our respective Twitter feeds. Definitely. Legitimately as uh, – I mean as records of our lives. Of course. <laughs> as records oh my... of our opinions, thoughts, and feelings. I mean people uh, <laughs> backtrack three years to Donald Trump when he was saying about the Electoral College, saying that it was a, a disaster. You know, It's like Melissa Villasenor who just went on SNL. She deleted like hundreds of tweets that she did from like nine years ago because she knows that – Listen, what you say remains, and so you kind of need to, like, clear out those things that might not represent who you are they, today. They are records of your – they are the, the the footprint and fingerprints of your life now. Paper trail. Paper trail. Paper trail, period. Exactly. And, I mean, I know that we're kind of winding down here, but, uh, you know, it also brings up this sort of other – there's just social media and ethics. I mean, I feel like we could talk. There could be a whole. There are whole podcasts about sure. this. Yes, uh, but uh, it is just so interesting because I feel like, um, what are your responsibilities? If I get Twitter when I'm 14, and I tweet a bunch of weird stuff because I'm 14, right? And now I'm 44. Should I still be held accountable for the things that I put on the internet when I was 14? Not really. That, I mean, like, I think I'm, you should be you should be held accountable as much as a 14 year old should be held exactly. accountable. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but it has become a much more public world. Yes. You know, yes. it has become a much more public 
world because of it. Yes. For good and bad. For good and bad. I mean, it's camera phones have allowed us to see things that a lot of people have been saying have been existing for a long time. But everyone just says, I don't believe you or I don't see it. Well, now we're seeing it and that's changing things. It's sad. Yes. But it's changing things. It's making people have to address it. Yes. So take the good and the bad. You take the good and the bad, and if we see you in virtual Jamaica, give a hello, but please don't push us off the cliff. Yes. I mean, just be res- be respectful. Because Billy has a net. Billy's got Because <laughs> Billy, Billy has a net, and net. he will throw it over you. And he knows Isaac McIsrahi, so... So there's that. <laughs> so there's that. Billy will put you in a net and spill muscle milk <laughs> all over your digital avatar. Uh, it's kind of a social media episode. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah. uh, this episode anyway, turned out to be about Isaac Mizrahi by accident. If all episodes accidentally become about Isaac Mizrahi. So be it. And his Adidas flip-flops. So be it. I'm throwing my hands in the air like I just don't care. love that he has those flip-flops. That is really inspiring. So be it. <laughs> um, follow us on social media. Once again, at No Joke Pod. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Please do. Uh, once again, on Twitter, I'm Billy Scafiri. Adam is Adam Lustick. Same goes for Instagram. Yep. That's the social media That's episode. it, man. Um, look for our videos coming out hopefully once a week. If yeah. they don't, don't hold it against us. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> We're trying. Yeah. We're trying. For the No Joke Podcast, I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast.